Welcome to another episode of Hoopsology. I am Justin Goodrum, joined by Matt Thomas. What's up, man? What's up, and happy belated Thanksgiving to all of our listeners that celebrated Thanksgiving. Justin, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, good, man. Can't complain. Very low-key. Um, had to work. Uh, there's nothing else open, so it's kind of like, what else am I going to do um, being stuck at home? So uh, I can't complain too much. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was nice. It was nice. Just got got together with some family in our in our bubble, and uh, yeah, had had a really nice Thanksgiving. A good time. Not not too much to say. Um, yeah, just just a really nice holiday, and been blasting the Christmas music all weekend. Ever since went and drove around last night, saw some Christmas lights, which was nice. really uh, fun with the kids. We have. Um, have you ever been to the house that does the Christmas light show here in Albuquerque? I haven't. You know, back in the day, there was the, the what they call it the bug house um, here yeah. in Albuquerque. Uh-huh. But I don't know if this is, this is a new location. No, the, yeah, this is a different one uh, where they actually, they have like a radio station that they, they reserve during this month of the year. And so they play Christmas music on there and other various stuff. Like they played some Star Wars last night, which me being oh, a Star cool. Wars nerd, I loved. Uh, yeah. And they, they just have this big coordinated light show with the music. So it's pretty cool. You you kind of drive drive up and just park your car and uh, and watch the light show for however long you want and, and then head your merry way out. But, you know, I, I always love driving around and seeing the Christmas lights anyway. So it's just kind of a a good last stopping point on that trip. And it's pretty close to my house. I'll, I'll have to show you the, the location sometime. If, if you ever want to, you know, take your significant other there or, or whatever, it's, it's really fun. Really pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to have to pick your brain just because, um, I'm sure other parts of the world and the country are going through this, but a lot of the normal holiday celebrations are being postponed or canceled. So we're kind of looking for alternative way so i'll definitely be uh hitting you up via text <laughs> for that address we're, we're looking <laughs> for good. new places to go that's for sure um on today's show we're gonna break down um not a super active week i mean it, w- it was a holiday in the united states but still some things to discuss we're gonna break down some key nba dates to watch out for basically to schedule the entire season um we're gonna break down the um, new nba COVID guidelines and we're going to go in depth about the um, off-season grades that these teams are getting throughout the off-season. So Bleacher Report did a really good article breaking down um, each team's um, off-season. And we're going to give our thoughts on the most um, best-performing teams and most disappointing teams uh, through the off-season. Um, so stay tuned for that. But first, man, let's hop into it. And that is the key NBA dates. And something I want to really focus on is two things. One is... And correct me if I'm wrong, it appears to be that there's not going to be an all-star game. Um, it appears there's going to be an all-star break, but no game. Um, the, the the weekend festivities and the game itself was supposed to be in Indianapolis, but they got pushed to 2024. Um, so just reading this article from CBS Sports, and this is fairly recently, this is a couple of days ago, from Jack Maloney of CBS Sports. I'll read the entire thing to you. Um, the NBA and the Indiana Pacers announced today that the NBA all-star in Indianapolis, which was originally scheduled for February 12th through 14th, 2021, will now be held February 16th through 18th, 2024. Public health conditions prevented the Pacers, the NBA All-Star Host Committee, and the NBA from appropriately planning and executing fan-focused All-Star activities in Indianapolis. 
that are envisioned for this February. Um, let's see. And it looks like here, it says, reading down here, that it's, it looks like it's confirmed that this will be the first time since 1999 that the league will not have an all-star game. Um, they said that, however, there'll be some form of all-star festivities this year. Those plans will be announced at a later date, so I'm not really sure what that's going to be. I mean, unless all the all-stars are going to play a game of 2K together. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> what other um, festivities... They're going to be able to do so other than that there's the play-in tournament which i really like and then you have the playoffs which i will say with the schedule it gets them back on track because it says it starts may yeah may 5th to um july 22nd that's right it's a uh, may it's may 22nd to july 22nd um so that coincides with the olympic break and then you can kind of maybe do some finagling with summer league and then you're back on track with the league starting in october um as it usually does if covid is um somewhat resolved so this schedule kind of gets things back to normal for the 2021-2022 season um, what are your thoughts on this ending that catches your eye? Any big surprises, or is this going to be kind of a business as usual once the season starts? I like this. I like getting things on track. You know, I, I think a lot of the schedule may feel pretty compressed. We, we've talked about this a few times before, you know, that you're going to have the return of a lot of back-to-backs and things like that to get back on track. But I, I think it's appropriate given that they are – rushing to get this done, as we've talked about, to beat the launch of the Olympics, which, yeah, as you mentioned, the playoffs go from May 22nd to July 22nd. And I looked up today to see, because, you know, July 22nd, I thought, man, that might run into the Olympics right there. And, and mm-hmm. the, the whole point of them rushing to get this started before Christmas was to avoid that. And it turns out the Olympics start the day after. So Friday, July 23rd is opening ceremony for the Olympics. Uh, real quick, just to bang through these, mostly so so the listeners know, uh, the key sure. dates uh, on December 1st. So this week, individual player workouts begin. The first through the fifth is media week. Uh, this on the sixth group workouts begin. So team training sessions um, on December 22nd, the first half of the regular season starts. So that's our opening night. Uh, as you mentioned, all-star break is March 5th through 10th. There's not going to be all-star activities, but that is the all-star break. There will still be elected all-star teams and all that. Just not, not a game. Um, which I think we all were expecting. On the 11th, the second half of the regular season begins. So also important to note, just a one-week All-Star break, not, or really, you know, a five-day All-Star break, not the full uh, 10 days that they had been doing previously um, under under Adam Silver uh, since he extended that break. So it is a shorter All-Star break. Um, and then the playing tournament, as you mentioned, May 18th through the 21st, then uh, of May, uh, and then we start May 22nd on the NBA playoffs, ending on July 22nd at the latest. Um, so, you know, my only comment is that it's going to be really compressed to get 72 games in at that time. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that's anything shocking or um, out of what we would have expected. Um, and and based on the COVID guidelines, which we will get into you know it's it's going to be interesting to see 
how these positive COVID cases affect these teams and to what degree like bench depth is going to matter or is it going to be like a kind of a level playing field since all teams are going to be dealing with this at some point or another, you'd have to imagine. So um, I, I do like the layout of the season schedule. I like that it gets us back on track. Uh, and I'm I'm really hopeful we see some really positive numbers on this December 22nd opening tip off because I would like, you know, maybe we're not starting right on Christmas week every single year. But but I do like the idea of this December kickoff for the NBA as opposed to October. Um, I don't know. Did you have any other thoughts of the, the schedule in general? Um, to your point with the Olympics, um, I actually kind of. Uh a little bit more worried about it than you are just because like, you know, typically with team USA, they have summer games. So they have like a huge mm. camp in Las Vegas. Um, they're picking the team and then there are some warm up games. And I don't know how that's going to work with, you know, the playoffs, you know, going for so long. I mean, especially if, if let's just say LeBron hypothetically, or I mean, let's just say Anthony Davis, that's more of a, um, appropriate name just because of his youth um, if he wants to be on his team and really the other players you know globally too this is a global league so it's not just about team USA it's about you know other teams globally they want to participate mm-hmm. and they're going to be in the playoffs look at Luca look at Giannis I mean how is that going to work with you know them if they're in deep in the playoffs and then they have to go to Japan um, for opening ceremonies and keep in mind too if there's any kind of COVID guidelines what about them quarantining I mean that's just that's going to be a massive issue so I'm curious to see how they pull that off so I, I find that fairly interesting uh, but we'll have to more wait and see on that um, and in terms of the schedule I agree with you I think we've always talked about this I, I would like to see the season start on Christmas or around then I just think it's kind of the official start um, and the, the league going into the summer I like the schedule so we'll see I think for people that this season is an ultimate experiment, right? Because, you know, the bubble was kind of like, it was an experiment, but something that we most likely wouldn't see again just through, like, obvious benefits of having fans and playing in arenas. Um, but this is a model that we could actually see in the future some form of it. Like, I think the playing games are going to stick around. And I certainly think in terms of... Um, just through media week and just some other things that they're incorporating. I think it's something that we, we could see for good. So I think this season's going to be really a, a huge experiment regarding that. And also, you know, um, others have pointed out, I mean, the viruses and different kinds of, you know, pandemics, they, this is not like this is going to be the last one forever. Who knows, right? We, we could be experiencing this five years from now. So, that's what we see in this framework now. It could be used in another emergency situation. This is unprecedented. We've, you know, we've never gone through something like this before. Um, this could be a base for something that could be used in the future if we're forced in a situation again, unfortunately. So overall, man, I think with the schedule, I'm on board. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for the play-in tournament. Um, I'm bummed out it's not going to be an all-star game traditionally. Um, that, that sucks. Um, I think... Just through COVID and travel, I'd rather not see it happen, even though selfishly, uh, I, I like to see the All-Star game and the dunk contest and three-point. It's, it's kind of an unofficial holiday for me, but, you know, for sure. I think for for safety reasons, I think it's maybe best just not to do it just for the sake of the players being able to participate in the offseason. So overall, um, I'm pretty happy with the schedule. 
Yeah, me too. And and prediction, you know, you you bring up the great point about it being an Olympic year. I mean, I think we're going to have a really down year for the depth of the roster on Team USA. I think it's going to be a lot of guys that are looking to improve their status in the league. A lot of opportunistic guys. I don't think it's going to be your top tier NBA um, players as it normally is on, on team USA. I think our depth is going to be hurt there. Cause I think players are going to feel like they've taken enough risk or they've sacrificed enough to get this NBA season done. So I see just guys who are younger for one thing. And then also, like I said, looking to improve their status in the league playing on that team USA, that would be my prediction anyway. We'll see if I'm, if I'm proven wrong and that, that may be enough to get the job done for America, maybe not. Um, I mean, obviously, we got a long way to go until that happens. But, um, but I think you're going to get guys that didn't go deep into the playoffs, at least, if nothing else, and and possibly just younger guys like 25 and under on Team USA. I yeah, I completely agree. I think we're going to see. It, this is going to be weird because even then, I mean, just we're through just drafting combine. Like, how is that going to work with like workouts for Team USA? I mean, they're they're working those guys out pretty early in the process, um, especially those that are in college. So it's it's going to be weird. Um, I think you're right. I think it's going to be an unorthodox time, and I think for maybe the sake of Team USA, if they did happen not to win the gold medal, I mean, they have kind of a built-in excuse. So um, for their sake. Um, I think just that built-in thing is is set for them to use. Um, anything else you wanted to talk about before we uh, move on to the new COVID guidelines? No, I'm good. You want me to launch into that? Yeah, go ahead, man. So basically, the NBA released 134-page guidelines for how they're going to run COVID this season, how they're going to monitor that, test for that, regulate that, et cetera. Uh, Full disclosure, I did not read that full 134-page guide because I wanted to enjoy my Thanksgiving weekend. Um, (laughs) But uh, we had an article on ESPN.com from Tim Bontemps that kind of went through some highlights and to kind of dumb that down even more, give you guys even the cliff notes of the cliff notes. Uh, Basically, it's there are going to be a lot of similarities to how they ran the bubble in terms of when a player tests positive. Um, So keep in mind, as we've mentioned before, but if you're not aware, there will not be um, a bubble this time around, at at least not to start the season. And there certainly isn't a plan to go into the bubble. So uh, teams will be playing on the road and at home. So you would imagine that there are going to be positive exposures, unlike when the, you know, obviously the bubble is largely successful and had zero positive cases. But basically, if a player tests positive, there are two scenarios, uh, two paths to return. There's a time-based resolution and a test-based resolution. So under the time-based resolution, uh, and this is quoting the article now, quote, the infected person would have to either have gone at least 10 days since the date of their first positive test or the onset of any symptoms if they've had any. Um, and they've, they had to have gone at least 24 hours since their fever went away without using any medications and other symptoms have improved while specifically noting that losses of taste or smell alone are not expected to prevent someone from leaving isolation. Under the test-based resolution, the person must return at least two consecutive negative 
PCR tests from samples taken at least 24 hours apart. So in any case, whichever path that player is going towards, um, they have at least 10 days from their positive test or the resolution of symptoms until they're able to um, to start training again. Because then once they have waited the minimum of 10 days, they must spend two days working out by themselves, not interacting with anyone or participating in any team activities, wearing a mask at all times when at the facility, whether they are working out or not, and they must participate in a cardiac screening so any player who tests positive will have to miss a minimum of 12 days before they can return to play. Um, and let's see. So any player who has had a severe case of COVID-19 or who was hospitalized at any point will have to be observed for at least three full days before they can be cleared to return to play. So basically, anytime you get a player testing, and, and now I'm away from the article, um, Anytime you get a player testing positive, you're going to have 10 days before they can resume athletic activities or see anyone. They're going to have to be in isolation. Um, interestingly enough, this is the first time they have stretched the CBA a little bit to allow teams to provide individual housing for players. They don't do that in normal cases because that could be seen as an advantage or a really easy opportunity to um, break league rules or, or um, really gain a competitive advantage, depending on, I mean, you could imagine with teams buying individual houses for players, but they are allowing, because of these COVID circumstances, teams to provide individual housing for when these players are in isolation. Um, so basically, anytime a player tests positive, you have 10 days and then another two days of training and then the player can be cleared to return to team activities. Um, so based on all that, I don't know, what, what's kind of your initial reaction? Um, and I guess I guess the main thing is we know that there's going to be chaos this season, and, and there's no way around that until we get a widely distributed vaccination. Do you think we're going to have a season that, that makes sense, um, that – you're going to see a legitimate champion crowned, or do you think it's going to be chaos like the Denver Broncos benching all four of their quarterbacks this Sunday? Um, how do you see that playing out? Well, like we've talked about, man, and, you know, we talked about this off here. We just feel like every week we talk about, you know, coronavirus and testing, and it's something that, you know, restarting this podcast, I never thought we'd be talking about on a weekly basis but here we are um, armchair epidemiologists right here yeah i know um this 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 virus is just so unpredictable and it's just a risk i think people are just willing to take and i think within the framework of sports so far and correct me if i'm wrong listeners we haven't seen in terms of actual athletes, somebody getting like seriously sick and, and passing away through participating um, in one of these sports by getting COVID. Um, usually they're able to self-isolate, um, they recover and are able to participate later on. Um, the, the, the scary thing about this is the long-term effects of, of this virus, we just don't know yet. And that's where that's where it's frightening, and that's where I think a lot of the precautions are coming into play here, because we're seeing healthy adults um, get this virus, and 
when they do recover, they have some consequences that they didn't have before. And that's, that's the scary thing about this. So it's not as easy to just say, hey, I got COVID and I can just recover and everything will be fine. We, we just don't know enough about this virus yet. I, I do think, Matt, just to answer your question, I do foresee some issues for sure um, in terms of different athletes getting this virus and maybe half the team going down. The good news is that for basketball, typically it works in different segments. So the NFL is like you need every game almost, right? Um, especially if you're a mediocre team, you can't afford just to take a game off or just to lose half the team and, and just to lose and lose that game. Um, basketball, it lends itself to, hey, you know, if it, it happens for a player to be out. Uh, for 14 days what's the timeline in, in those 14 days right i mean there's not games every day in that 14 mm-hmm. game day time span so um i think basketball lends itself to um a team being ravished by the virus and not being ruined by it to be honest and, and also too it kind of depends again on the players so you know players sit anyway and it kind of it's going to depend on what games are going to be destroyed because of players sitting out with COVID. So for instance, I mean, let's say we, let's say it's a a typical Thursday night slate coming up later in the week. And we have bucks and Lakers and Clippers and the Rockets. Um, And all of a sudden Wednesday, we find out that Giannis and LeBron has COVID. And then later on, like half the team has COVID. Well, who's going to watch that game? Very, very little. And at the same time, it's like, let's. It, what happens if there's schedules for those national TV games on the weekend? And then next week, that's where the domino effects is going to come into play, I think, with TV ratings. Um, in terms of quality of play, I don't think so. I think the teams will be good enough to win enough games to um, adjust themselves in playoff positioning. Um, and ultimately, when we get to the playoffs, I think that's the main question, what happens there? I don't know if they have to announce that it's going to be another bubble or are they just going to go and play normally when the playoffs begin? I don't know if I heard that announcement, um, but I think that's going to be interesting. Once the playoffs start, how they're going to handle that? Because I think the regular season, it's, let's just face it, it's not as important um, as compared to the playoffs. So compare again, compared to other sports, I don't think it's going to be that a huge deal. Uh, but in terms of seeing the, the, the consequences of this, I do think we're going to see it from a TV um, scale in terms of lower ratings for the NBA. If in fact we see on, you know, on the national TV games, uh, multiple teams get COVID. Um, I think the consequence is going to be seen from a media standpoint. Yeah. I've, you know, I don't want to spend a, a ton of time here and I agree with almost everything you said just then. Uh, you know, one thing that I would predict with, there there have been some reports that a vaccine will be out in in May at some point. So my prediction is usually, you know, leagues with a lot of money, celebrities, et cetera, um, people, people with a lot of money tend to give access to this vaccine earlier. My my prediction here is that these players, if they would like to be vaccinated, will be vaccinated before the playoffs start. Um, and you know, I could be totally wrong cause there have been other, uh, things I've heard that, that we won't have the vaccine distributed until July. But I, I think, 
Um, if that happens, and obviously if we have an effective vaccine and all that, and yes, we're talking about a lot of ifs here, so I'll get off of it pretty quickly. But if that does happen, hopefully we don't even need to worry about a bubble by the time the playoffs hit. Um, obviously, that's that's very volatile. Depends on a lot of dominoes falling into place. Um, I, I could see, you know, where with the NFL, it's it's a little easier to control. Um, because of the, the games being so spaced out, like if, if you get hit as an NBA team in the middle of a week and you're right at the start of a back to back, I do think we're going to be canceling games. Whereas the NFL has kind of prided itself thus far. And yes, even though they've had cases, they have not had to cancel games. I think they had to postpone a game or two, if I'm not mistaken, towards the beginning of their season. Um, I do think we're going to see some cancellations in the NBA and reason being that in the NFL, I, I think it's easier to avoid the spread hitting the full team. Whereas with the NBA players and then NBA locker room, it's a lot more intimate and I could easily see, you know, 80% of a team getting a positive uh, or testing positive for coronavirus on again, one of these situations where you're, you're slated to play a back to back, Oh shoot, we just tested before the game and the players landed yesterday. They got tested. Oh, 80% of the players um, are positive for COVID because there's less space in those locker rooms. And also you're you're practicing all together as a team rather than like in NFL, you know, you'll take the offensive line to do drills over here. You'll take quarterbacks to do their drills over here, et cetera, for at least parts of the practice. Um so I could see a little more chaos in the NBA with regard to having to cancel some games. I do think it's not going to be a, a ton of cancellations, though. Like, I, I would predict probably every team is going to play at least 68 of these 72 games. Um, I, I don't know. I, again, I'm, I'm just trying to make predictions to show you where, where my head's at um, because – Again, there's there's a lot of ifs, and that's not fun. But based on what we've seen, I do think we're going to have a legitimate champion. I, I don't think it's it's going to look like a horrible product on the court, much like what you said um, earlier in, in your response to those COVID guidelines. So I think you and I are are pretty much on in agreement here. Yeah, I think so, too. And I, I think, you know, just seeing from the UFC and um, – there's other sports the way the virus works at least i haven't seen where like an entire team's just taken out because of this you know like one person gets it it's all over or um one fighter gets it and the whole card's canceled typically um there's a way of just isolating that person to make sure that they don't infect everybody else so i do think this is doable um but again i think you know exercising the right amount of caution is going to be the best way um until a vaccine is reached that's for sure absolutely should we move on to some off-season grades or did you have anything else on that no, let's break down these these offseason grades. And um, Matt and I are going to give you just our, our top three teams in terms of uh, teams that performed solidly in the offseason and teams that were disappointing in the offseason. And there's a great article I want to plug. Matt found it on uh, BleachReport.com uh, by Grant Hughes. Uh, we'll link it on our Twitter page. Um, grading every NBA team's offseason so far. Um goes pretty in depth in, in all the teams that they made offseason moves. Um, did you want to kick it off, Matt? Or did you want me to go first? I'm good either way. Do you? So yeah, these are winners and losers of the offseason. Uh, what do you think is tastier? Should we start with 
winners and then go to losers? Is it more fun to talk about losers at the end or more fun to talk about winners at the end? I think it's more fun to talk about the losers now because um, okay. some, that's what I started first when I was doing this. Um, okay, why don't you give me your your number three? Are, are yours in any specific order? No, I, I have them just as, as my three disappointing teams. Um, and I'll just go through it real quickly. Um, I sure, basically just had, give me, let's go one at a time. Give me your yeah. three or whoever, and then I'll give you mine. Um, so I had the, the Celtics as, as a team that was Ooh. really uh, disappointing. I just think with this team, they're at a crossroads where they're – how do I phrase this? Um, their latitude or their leash in terms of, I guess, fans and media members of like, this is going to be a rising team and this is going to be a championship team. I think that door is closing quickly. Uh, I think this is a team that very apparently needs to be established themselves as a top team in the East. And I think compared to, you know, you take a look at the 76ers, uh, even the Milwaukee Bucks, um, they're getting a lot more scrutiny in terms of them, you know, where they win. Are they going to win the title? I think the Boston Celtics should be held in that same regard. Um, and it, it just appears that with these signings here, I mean, I'll read the, uh, the the roster changes. Notable additions, Tristan Thompson, Jeff Teague, Aaron Naismith, uh, and Peyton Prichard. And then subtractions, they lose Gordon Hayward, um, Enos Cantor, and uh, Brad uh, Wanamaker. And they re-sign Jason Tatum. Of course, re-sign Jason Tatum. That's a must. Um, but, you know, you take a look at Gordon Haywood. You take a look at even Kyrie Irving a couple of years back. I mean, these are two or one, you know, was a perennial all-star. And Kyrie Irving, who's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame one day. And in a span of what, you know, three to four years, you, you couldn't make it work with these guys. I mean, that's a that's a pretty damning statement on your franchise. So um, they're great of a C. I absolutely agree, and, and I think it's it's reflective of just them not making Gordon Hayward work. I think it just they've been snake bit ever since. Um, I think the next team um, has the Charlotte Hornets. Um, speaking of Gordon Hayward, them signing him um, just to that that huge contract, and I I, I don't like this move. Um, it, Justin, let me oh, interrupt yeah. you. Did you yeah. hear about the Gordon Haywood sign and trade? No, I didn't. Go, so go this ahead. this happened just about I think an hour before uh, before we got on the mics here. Oh, okay. um, it, it doesn't. I don't think it'll change much of your opinion. Uh, okay. But just so you and the listeners know, the Celtics sure. did end up working a sign and trade rather than just losing Gordon Haywood outright. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, but basically, they get an extra second round pick for one thing. And then they also get a trade exception, uh, okay. which basically means that they can take on more salary cap through a trade deal. So they, they have a little bit more room in their cap if they want to trade for close to a max level player, uh, which is kind of interesting. It's, it's the largest trade exception in league history at 27 million, a little over 27 million. It's the largest trade exception that's ever happened in NBA history due to Gordon Hayward's salary. Um, I don't think it'll it'll amount to much because I don't think the Celtics are a team that want to be at risk at being over the cap for several seasons. Um, but it could it could get them like an expiring deal and and send them over the cap in a trade exception though, so they wouldn't be penalized for it. Anyway, sorry for interrupting. Just thought that was no. important to, to no. put in. Please keep going with the Hornets. 
No, thank you. Uh, I, I just feel with with this team, like you know, them losing, uh, just the way the team has been ever since them changing from the the Bobcats um, to the Hornets, and them just, I think having a lack of direction has this. I just question this team under the leadership of Michael Jordan. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, at the same time, I, I question what Hayward has, what he has left in the tank. I mean, I've been a huge you know, proponent of his ever since he was in Utah. And it just I remember when it happened, when he suffered his injury. I think it was the first game of the opening of the of his, the, his season, regular season debut with the Boston Celtics. It, Correct. It was horrible just hearing about that. And ever since then, he has not been the same. So um, I don't know. I, I just don't like the move. And just seeing Kimba Walker um, losing him, I think, was a major detriment to this team. Um, and what they've done in terms of their moves, I haven't been really enamored with. Um, Bleacher Report gave their grade as an F. Um, and just previously mentioning the Boston Celtics, their grade was a C. Um, and I'll just read their roster moves. Um, their additions have been LaMelo Ball, which... I don't know how much of a factor he's going to be on this team, but we'll see. Um, as I mentioned, as you mentioned, Matt, to uh, Gordon Hayward, um, Burden Carey Jr., Nick Richards, and Grant Ryler. Um, notable subtractions, Dwayne um, Bacon, Nicholas Batum was waived, and then uh, Willie um, Hernanda Gomez, and then um, they re-signed Bisback Biombo. Um, my third team, um, the Milwaukee Bucks, and mm, I agree with this. Agreement grade. here. Yeah, D plus, like, that's what Bleacher Report gave them. I just think um, they lost Wesley Matthews and George Hill and Eric Bledsoe, Robin Lopez. I mean, these are guys that were huge parts of that team and didn't get really enough credit just because of Giannis and their replacements. I don't see them filling that void with Drew Holiday and DJ Augustine and Bobby Portis. Um and, and the rest of their auditions include, uh, I think, Brian Forbes and uh, Terry Craig. And then they re-signed uh, Patrick uh, Cummington. Um, I don't know. I, I just see their subtractions and, and what they did in the offseason. I don't think it's going to be enough. And I don't think it's going to help the case of Giannis um, reaching that goal of reaching the NBA Finals. Um, I, I don't I don't like his chances at all, to be honest, of, of winning the title. Um, I really, really don't. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I'm puzzled why they, you know, those moves, those subtractions that they had, their off-season signings, they, they didn't, I, I guess, try hard enough to really um, address those weaknesses that they now have because I think that's going to be a massive issue uh, when the season happens. Um, I just think it's going to be a huge problem. Um what about you, Matt? What are your um, most disappointing teams? Yeah, let me piggyback right off of that because the Bucks were my number three most disappointing loser of the offseason. Yeah. Um, and and I, I agree with you. And I think if you look at it, like if, if we would have just seen the uh, Drew Holiday trade happen and their offseason stopped there, you know, provided maybe another couple signings to, to fill roster spots or something minor like that. I think they get, you know, a B plus, maybe a minus just for getting Drew Holiday, because I, sure. I think he's that good of a piece. And I think he's someone that makes Giannis happy. But then 
you have in the second half of their off season, which keep in mind, we had like a 10 day off season um, in terms of these roster moves. Their second half was trying to get Bogdan Bogdanovich, who ended up going to the Hawks. They tried to get him through a sign and trade deal. And it seemed like there was just mismanagement, misunderstanding of how that was going to work. And the Bucks were basically penalized for, um, for speaking out about this deal too soon before it could really be confirmed. So to me, if, if I'm Giannis and I'm looking at the Bucks doing this, and I, I've made this comparison before, I'll do it again. I, I'm basically looking at a front office that looks incompetent to me now. Uh, so you did this great thing in getting Drew Holiday. You gave up a lot for that, but I can still appreciate you getting a talented piece. And then you just totally dropped the ball on bringing in Bogdan Bogdanovich, who, by the way, Giannis had said, looks like a fighter, looks like a guy I want to go to battle with. Weren't able to bring him in in really embarrassing fashion, too, because they could have just stayed silent about everything. Um, so, you know, it reminds me of, again, going back to this comparison, you know, a young LeBron James looking at Cleveland, not being able to bring in players. Now, look again, they got Drew Holiday. That's good. But I think the second half was really embarrassing in more of a long-term type of way because they have Drew Holiday for this upcoming season and then he might be gone. Uh, and then Giannis might be gone. So, so you have to take a risk as a small market team. I appreciate the Bucks doing that, but that second half, the way they dropped the ball is, is what really made it egregious for me. Moving on, um, my number two team that was a loser this offseason was, uh, I don't feel good saying this, but the Washington Wizards. <laughs> um, they signed Davis Bertans, who might not get off the bench, but is, is basically... Um, a very skilled three-point shooter. Um, I, I mean, like out of this world. If if you look at his YouTube highlights, I mean, he can. He's he's basically like a, a slower, small forward version of Steph Curry. He doesn't have the the dribble. He doesn't have the handles that Steph Curry has, but he can hit a shot just about anywhere on the court. Um, so I don't think it's a mistake that they signed him. But my reason that they are losers in the offseason is now John Wall got angry over them flirting with maybe trading for Russell Westbrook. And now John wall has demanded a trade. So any, any kind of hope for next year was built upon John wall and Bradley Beal having good chemistry with each other, believing in each other and going into the season with, with that hope that they could still make this backcourt work, which by the way, could still be one of the best backcourts back in the NBA if John Wall is healthy. But now it seems like that goodwill is gone. John Wall wants out. So that is actually my main reason why the Wizards get this grade. Also, their their big offseason acquisition was Robin Lopez, who's going to be a backup center for them, uh, probably play like 20 minutes a night. He'll give some decent defense. He'll give good rebounding. But that's basically all they have to show for this offseason. So they are my number two biggest loser. Uh, number one is the Detroit Pistons. Um, they, they took away Jeremy Grant from the Denver Nuggets, but they paid three years, $60 million for his contract. A guy who was good in Denver, um, was really starting to build up stock there, but 
but has never been a playmaker. And actually, he left to go to Detroit because he wants to be more of a playmaker. So part of this is contingent on how Jeremy Grant turns out in Detroit. Uh, because if all of a sudden he shows skills he has never shown before in the NBA, I mean, he's basically just been a defensive specialist. If he shows more skills, then I'm going to have to, you know, bump Detroit down and maybe bump the Wizards into that number one slot. Um, but other than that, they also overpaid for Mason Plumley. Seems like you can get centers just about anywhere in the NBA, but they got him for three years, $25 million. Um, they just have a ton of bigs. They also lost Christian Wood to the Houston Rockets, which I think was a great get for the Rockets, who actually is a good playmaker, a good, skilled, solid offensive player. Uh, and then they lost Luke Kennard to the Clippers in that deal um, that sent uh, Landry Shamit to the Nets uh, and Luke Kennard over to uh, the Clippers. So I don't know. I, I just don't understand what Detroit is doing. I, I think there are probably more moves to come, but I, I think Detroit only got worse this offseason. So that's why they are number one to me. Um, a couple of honorable mentions. Um, Houston, because of the chemistry issues there, and because they haven't gotten rid of Russell Westbrook yet, in my opinion, they get an honorable mention. I, I don't have a mini specific number ranking. Um, the Jazz just doesn't feel like like they got any better to me. Um, they they re-signed Donovan Mitchell long-term, which is a huge win, of course, but I'm not sure they got really significantly better anywhere else. And then another one that's even in this Bleacher Report article, they they gave this, I believe, an A grade. I, I just am not on board with this. Um, Portland. I, I saw that, too. They, they are deep. But, you know, and maybe, you know, I, I was critical of, of some of the praise. I felt like there was kind of overpraising going on for Carmelo Anthony. I'm actually happy they re-signed him. I'm, I'm not bummed about that move or anything, but they just have no defense on this roster. I mean, unless you rely completely on Zach Collins and Nurkic, which Nurkic, so-so defensively, very good rebounder. I I just see I they're... They're definitely, you know, going to be a playoff team. I would think a low seed playoff team. Some people are talking about them as second in the West. I just don't see that happening unless I don't really nobody is playing defense. So I am just puzzled as how, I mean, clearly they would be a winner on this Bleacher Report. And to me, I, I question them not getting... Um, not getting more defense on this roster that, in my opinion, badly needs it. Um, so anyway, that's what I've got as far as losers go. Do you want to transfer over to winners? Yeah, and um, that's funny. I'll uh, piggyback what you said earlier about the Portland Trailblazers because they're actually one of my winners. However, I kind of echo your sentiment, and A-plus seems a little bit overreaching to me. Um, but I do like the mm. fact that you know, with Damian Lillard, he does have some help. I think you're you're right with their deficiencies. And I think it's going to be a, a massive question in terms of where they go. What, what is, what's this team going to be, you know, with C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, right? I mean, we're – because we've really seen the Portland Trailblazers do everything but take that next step, win the Western Conference Finals, and go to the NBA Finals. So – I think 
there's just going to be some questions that has to be made. I do think Damian Lillard is a cornerstone piece of this team. I think he's untradeable. Mm-hmm. I think everybody else is, and that includes C.J. McCollum. Um, totally agree. I think that while I like these moves, I don't think it, it, what you said, Matt, addresses everything. I think it's just going to take getting two to three more free agents. And um, looking at these players here, like Melo's shown a lot of potential, Rodney Hood. Um, I think all these players he could package for something in terms of maybe getting some kind of another free agent possibly down the line. I mean, mm. that's what it's going to take to turn things around. They, they need to attract free agents to go there. Um, and it's not going to just be built by through the draft or getting the players. I did this, they need another perennial all-star. That's the only way um, to make it happen within the next few years. Um, if not, you're going to have to blow up this team and start over other than Damian Lillard's. But um, I, I like these players in the sense of maybe you can be creative and package them for something bigger. But um, you're right. Their deficiencies is still blatant. Um, I, I agree with you. I don't see them as a number two team in the West. Um, I think that's a little bit overreaching. Um, but I do think it improves their stock. And um, I do think that them having to fight to make the playoffs, I, I don't see that happening with this squad. Um, however, them being a perennial power, I, I don't see it. I think A-plus is overreaching, even though I do see them as a great performing team. Um in the offseason. Um, I'm going to go to the Pelicans next. Um, yes, I agree. I, I really like what they did. But at the same time, it's a, it's a, it, the good news is that you have a lot of veterans with Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams. Um, I think what's the question mark is, again, what you have. Um, with, what's this team's going to be with Brandon Ingram or Zion? Like, where is this team going to go? And, and if Zion and Ingram can play with each other cohesively, um, that's going to be a massive question mark. And what's weird is that last season, and I think unfortunately this season, it's going to be so weird with COVID, right? And I just hope that we actually see if Zion can play and if he's not hurt and if there's no injuries preventing him, we actually get to see him play as many games as possible. We have to see what this guy can do, as I've said before. Um, and I think seeing having these veterans, I think show him the ropes, I think, and also protect him too. I mean, Steven Adams, well, I think he's a solid role player. He's also an enforcer, right, in a way. I mean, I, I don't see anybody really messing with Zion when he has Steven Adams on that team. So <laughs> I, I think having that kind of veteran presence and also having that um, kind of protection there is really going to help not only um, Zion but Ingram too. So I really like their moves. Um, and then just finally breaking down the Lakers – um, I gotta give them props to Richard Get Rich. Kind of reminds me mm. of kind of a little bit of the Yankees somewhat. Not too much, but still, I mean, when you get Matres Harrell and you get Marcus Saul, I mean, I would say that's an Marcus Saul's an upgrade over Dwight Howard when he's healthy. Um, in terms of versatility. Um I just think that's gonna be um a massive just help. And it continues kind of their theme like they had last year. Um, just with, you know, JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, even though they lost him, you get, you know, Marcus all there. So, um, and you get Wesley Matthews in addition to Dennis Schroeder, which is going to be a huge addition. So I have to say, I'm in, I was impressed with the Lakers additions as well. And I think for the first time, I don't think you're going to see a Laker team that's going to struggle in terms of role players. Um, I think that's been a, a kind of hallmark of LeBron James's teams when he's not in the lineup, kind of the team takes a 
nosedives sometimes. Um, and I think with either him or Anthony Davis um, not playing with each other, um, I, I think the team's going to be stable enough to withstand um, some injuries that might come up through the regular season. Yeah, and long story short, I think the Lakers got both more talented and more mature, more character mature guys. Um, you know, I know I know Montrez Harrell can be a loose cannon at, at some points, but he's he's a competitor and not a guy that I think is going to, you know, cost them with um, unwise technical fouls or, or flagrants or anything like that. Um, so I, I totally agree with what you're saying about about the Lakers there. Yeah, for sure. You want to give uh, your top three great performing teams? Absolutely. I, I think the Lakers are maybe the only championship contender from last year that actually improved when you look at the scope of the league. And, and I have I have a lot of positive off seasons. I, I actually have more positive and neutral off season grades than I do loser grades. So, so as much as I ripped on those loser teams, um, I'm actually more positive about the NBA overall and, and how those teams did, how those GMs did this off season. So number three for me was new Orleans. We're in uh, a lot of agreement there. I, if, if I'm new Orleans, I'm looking to trade Eric Bledsoe later in the year, get maybe more draft assets. They got a lot for that drew holiday trade. Uh, I'm looking to maybe, you know, maybe you have an injury at some point in the league or, you know, point guards are in high demand and, and you need to have a a solid point guard. That's where maybe another team that's a title contender is, you know, maybe by the time we get to, I don't know, February or March, uh, when we're coming upon the trade deadline, I believe that that should be in February. Um, I, I think you could unload Bledsoe for some draft assets would be a smart move for this team. Uh, and maybe like an expiring contract that would help out the Pelicans. I would absolutely hang on to Steven Adams. Like you said, his, his leadership, his presence as an enforcer there, I, I think he'll be a great fit on this team, even though, um, you know, there are those that would argue maybe he's going to clog up the paint a little bit. I, I think he's going to adapt. I think he's going to set, Great screens for Zion, great screens for Lonzo Ball, some of these guys to operate. So moving on, uh, number two, arguably, maybe maybe you're in my favorite team to watch this offseason, even though it's short-lived. Eh, maybe not. Maybe that was the Nuggets. Um, but anyway, my projected league pass team, the Dallas Mavericks, are my number oh, yeah. two winner. Uh, nothing flashy, but I think we'd probably agree that the number one thing we saw that Dallas needed was defense and specifically wing defense. That's exactly what they went out and got. I think Josh Richardson is going to be a great fit on this team. I know he didn't shine in Philadelphia compared to his Miami time, but I think he's going to have a more clearly defined role here. He's also going to be getting a lot of open threes with Luca and his passing ability, his creativity. So I think Josh Richardson is going to have a big comeback year and the rest of their additions, um, both improve their defense and the rest of their moves set up cap room for Giannis to be able to come and join the party with Luca in 2021. Uh, so keep your eyes on that because I think, Giannis and Luca together oh, would be chef's kiss. So good. Um, so I am kind of hoping that happens just to see those players play together. 
honestly, ultimately, I would prefer Giannis just stay in Milwaukee and sign that extended max to keep them a competitor. But if he's going to go somewhere, I'd love to see him in a Dallas Mavericks uniform. Um, if he goes to the Lakers, oh, man, I, I'm just going to be yeah. <laughs> beside. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, which I don't know if you saw. This is a good time to bring this up. Maybe before I get to my number one. Did you see Giannis giving the Lakers love for re-signing his brother on Instagram? No, I did. Nah, nah. Yeah, Giannis sending the praise hands to the Lakers in the chat, in the feed there, when they announced that they had re-signed his brother. So, obviously, I don't think you can read too much into that. But Lakers fans, of course, are going nuts. They're getting Giannis in their in their own minds anyway. Um, maybe so. We'll see what happens. It's gonna it's gonna be crazy as NBA off seasons always are. Number one, I have. This is maybe controversial, but I think when you look at where a team started in this offseason and where they went to, uh, and this does feel different to me than like a team like Charlotte, who is clearly competing just for the eighth or ninth seed. My number one is the Atlanta Hawks. I'm really a fan of what they did. Um, Let me pull up the list of their acquisitions here. Uh, So you had additions of Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who, as we just mentioned, Giannis wanted in Milwaukee. Chris Dunn from your Bulls. Rondo, right. formerly from your Bulls, but from the Lakers yeah. <laughs> more recently. Our guy, Lobo alumni, Tony Snell. I saw um, that. <laughs> Onyeke Okongwu through, uh, through the draft. So those are their notable additions. They lose Dwayne Dedman, Jeff Teague, DeAndre Bembry and Vince Carter due to retirement. Um, So look, I I think when you're a franchise where Atlanta is, let's be honest, they're, they're not competing for a title this year. They are, I'd actually compare them to a less deep version now of the uh, Portland trailblazers in that they are going to be a joy to watch on offense. They're not going to be able to stop anyone really. Uh, but again, they left themselves flexibility. They didn't extend John Collins just yet, um, which I personally would be looking to deal him if, if I were in their shoes. That, that seems to be the path that they're on. We'll see what they do as far as that goes. But, but I do think this team is going to be a very fun watch. I think this is going to be a really fun year for Trey Young, who has kind of been a big fish in a small pond to this point in his career. Um, so I understand, you know, maybe handcuffing yourself with the salary cap with like this Gallinari and this Rondo deal. But but I do think long term, if Trey Young signs a max extension there, then this is a huge win this offseason. So um, so the Hawks, congratulations. You're my number one winner. How do you feel about all those picks? And then I have a few honorable mentions. I'll just fire off real quickly. I like the Hawks. I I thought about them and putting them in my list. I, I don't. My thing is they're kind of. I don't know. I mean, I seem like a hypocrite. They seem very much like Portland to me, um, just in terms of I don't know how that's going to really boost them within the um, Eastern Conference. If that's going to make them a, a power there, I do think at least it makes the Atlanta Hawks, you know, a, a perennial playoff team. Um, mm. I don't think they struggle, which with is that a huge roster. upgrade. It is. It is. Um, so I think in that regard, I think it's a good pick. Um, other than that, I think, you know, I, it's just so weird because 
there wasn't really anything that kind of I kind of struggled making this list to be honest. It wasn't like anything completely stood out to me. Um, there wasn't like any like massive blockbuster moves. We're kind of in a holding pattern. We kind of wait and see what happens with a lot of these teams. I mean, like the 76ers is kind of like wait and see. It's kind of like, you know, what's going on with Houston? What's the deal with Westbrook and James Harden? What's, I mean, even like a team like Denver, who I think got a pretty high marks, you know, got a B minus. But at the same time, like, it's a question of ultimately seeing, um, where and we're, this is something that we'll talk about um later um just with our um, denver nuggets uh, insider in the next few weeks just what does what is this team going to be going in, ter- in terms of their future i mean they re-signed paul Millsap. um they lose mason Plumtree. they they lose tory craig and they lose jeremiah grant the additions for the nuggets not really that imp- not that impressive but with that team i'm wondering with the joker like how many years do you give that a shot? You know, I mean, there's a lot of teams with us, a lot of this kind of massive question marks. And even with the Nuggets with Jamal Murray, right? Was, is he going to be a perennial all-star? Or was that just a fluke in a bubble? Like, what about Michael Porter Jr.? Is he going to take that next step? Or is he just going to be, you know, forever a player not reaching his potential? And that goes with the Bulls, too, with, like, uh, Laurie Marketing And what's going to happen with Zach Levine? There's a lot of teams that just... It's a lot of great talent, but we're just we're kind of waiting and seeing. I mean, we just don't know. And I think with these offseason moves, there wasn't anything like super blockbuster. It was like, oh my gosh, they did such a fantastic job. Um, so I think that's where I'm just like, eh, this is kind of like a okay offseason. Guys have to wait and see what the next season brings. So, man, I, I feel totally different than really? you about the offseason. Yeah. I, I feel like, I mean, Chris Paul moving was like a sure. bomb. Even uh, then, being, I wasn't too enamored with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I felt like the Lakers getting the top two um, top two guys in the six-man voting. I mean, that that was like a bomb. That's true. Compared to true. normally what we see. That Drew Holiday trade was a pretty big deal. OKC clearing house was a pretty big deal. Um, so I, I get what you're saying, though, in that, like, I, I think it feels kind of... Um, a little more bland when you consider that, you know, it's we're all projecting the Lakers to win the title. And I don't think anything happened that changes that. Um, and if anything, they space themselves from the competition a little bit further, especially when you consider, you know, the the worst news this offseason so far, I, in my opinion, was, of course, that Clay Thompson injury that we covered sure. last week. Um, so so, I mean, that's you have like this they were supposed to be the guys that, you know, do they have another run as constructed and then Clay Thompson goes down. And now, you know, I think, I think everyone has them going to the playoffs, but there's, there's not really huge expectations for them to contend Uh, real quick. Just a few honorable mentions. Uh, You know, you mentioned the Lakers, they were almost on my top three. I I just kind of, uh, maybe just being contrarian, I didn't want to put them in there, although they they certainly deserve kudos. Rob Palenka, especially for the moves that he made. I mean, he he's not just sitting on his hands with this title team. He is is making moves and they are waiting to re-sign Anthony Davis. You know, I guess I guess that grade could change if Anthony Davis didn't re-sign. But it, it seems like it's more just they are LeBron and Anthony Davis are working to align their contracts together and basically 
hold the Lakers management hostage <laughs> to get them to come back ah, uh, together. But but that that's the way it works. You know, that's that's how it's worked, um, at least since the Miami Heat days, um, the the big three LeBron James era in Miami. So not, not too shocking there. And I fully expect Anthony Davis to be back. Uh, Harrison Fagan, who we had on the show, Lakers insider, um, expects the same. I, I've been following his stuff on on his Twitter feed. Um, real quick, a few honorable mentions. <clears throat> the Knicks, I give them props for not getting Russell Westbrook. I, I thought that was, you know, as an NBA fan, I wanted to see Russell Westbrook on the Knicks. I, I don't care <laughs> about the Knicks at all. But yeah, Russell Westbrook uh, in Madison Square Garden, I, it just seems to make a lot of sense. But I give the Knicks props in maybe taking this season to actually try and build a basketball team. They're not going to be great, but at least they're not going to take that contract on and, you know, basically bury themselves for the next three to four years. They might be making some forward progress by doing almost nothing. Um, OKC, I I love that when teams pile up draft picks like Sam Presti has done in the past that, you know, eventually landed him, Guys you've heard of, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, who we just talked about. Um, I love seeing OKC take on a guy who you know isn't going to be causing trouble in Al Horford, a guy who's going to be a good leader. Um, You know, I I don't think he has a ton to give on the court anymore, but you're taking on his contract. You know what you're doing. You're stocking these draft picks. You're doing kind of the process. Uh, But I do think with Shea Gillis-Alexander, and um, some of the other pieces on this team, I don't. This OKC team isn't going to make the playoffs. That's not what they're designed to do. But I do think they'll be at least an interesting watch. They're not going to be a total tank, a total uh, dumpster fire to watch, uh, unlike some other NBA teams. Real quick, you have to give the Suns a shout out for getting Chris Paul. Obviously, a lot depends on if he's going to stay healthy. How much is he going to play? Um, but I'm just going to assume on all teams that we're going to have good health. Uh, you know, other than injuries that we know about. So I do give the Suns a good grade as a winner. Miami, um, re-signing Bam. I do question if he is completely worth the max. I know a lot of people would be screaming at me for questioning that, but we just haven't had very long to see him. So they've locked him up in a long-term deal, but they've also structured things like signing Goran Dragic, to a one-year extension, or actually two-year, but the second year is a player option. They, they've they left themselves in the Giannis hunt. It's a little trickier now to get him based on this offseason and extending BAM, but they're still in the hunt for that. Um, so those are my honorable mentions for winners. I think, I think we had a lot of smart GMing. Like, e- even in Sacramento, we had... Some good-looking moves. I think they got a B-minus on that Bleacher Report, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So even teams that you don't traditionally expect to have these solid moves, um, I think they did some some pretty savvy things. And other than like the Pistons and Wizards, like I highlighted, I don't think we saw too many egregious moves being made. Um, So, you know, it's shaping up to be a talent-packed year. And... You know, I, I just hope we don't have to cancel too many games. I don't think we will. I'm very positive about this upcoming year and uh, workouts start this week. So we will we will have plenty to talk about again next week. For sure. For sure. Um, did you have anything else you want to mention, Matt, before I wrap it up this week? I am good, man. Hit us up. We, we've been posting on Twitter. Um, hit us up with your guys' winners and losers from this offseason. 
Let us know if you agree with our picks, if you hate our picks, if we're totally off the rocker. Uh, we, we love the banter, of course, um, and, and looking forward to hearing that. Um, I, I think I'm all set, man. You got anything else? Uh, no, that's it. Just uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Um, email us at hoopsologypod.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And then we have our, our great archive of shows uh, breaking down um, inside, having insiders from teams like the Golden State Warriors. Um, I'm drawing a blank at the Los Angeles Lakers. We've had um, the Pelicans. We've had um, Zach Levitt. Um, we were just constant interviews is bringing you just the, the best within basketball culture, not to mention great recaps of the WNBA season as well. So uh, go back in our archives and check that out. So, so for Matt Thomas, I am Justin Goodrum. I um, hope you had a great holiday, and we'll see you next week. Peace.